You are listening to the Finding Jesus After Show, the podcast with the two co-creators, co-stars, and co-presenters of Finding Jesus divulge their secrets on how the frick that exciting mystery investigation series was made. I am one of the presenters of Finding Jesus. Joining me, as always, is one of the other presenters of Finding Jesus, Cameron James. Do you, how do you feel about presenter as a title for uh, what we are? <laughs> I think it's so weird. I fucking hate it. It's so weird. Let I'm, me present I've never, you I've never said it. Yeah, it's like, hey, hello. I'm presenting this story to you like we're fucking Alfred Hitchcock or some shit. I think it sounds so crazy because it doesn't sound like what we do at all. It's technically correct because we are presenting a show. Sure, sure, sure. Technically, right now, we're presenting another show. We're presenting the after show of the show that we're presenters on. Um, (laughs) So, it's accurate, but it also sounds so phony below. It fucking sucks us. I hate it. It sounds like... We don't have any thoughts in our head. We just say something that we're reading out loud. We are, Well, technically, right now, we are reading the auto cue. Yes, we're, of course. We have got an auto cue in front of us, and we are reading exactly what the writers of this show have written for us. And thank you so much to James Colley for being the head writer of the Finding Jesus <laughs> After Show. He writes really great stuff, including this line that I'm reading right now about him. <laughs> Shout out to James Colley, uh, who actually, uh, let me pull back the curtain, is not the head writer of this show. Mm. There is no head writer of this show. It's improvised. It's improvised. <laughs> it's improv. We're doing improv right now. We're improvising right now. But uh, me, Alexi Toliopoulos, I don't remember if I said my name or not, Cameron James here. Sure. Uh, we are talking about episode three of Finding Jesus. Yes. And if we were to give this one a title again, um, mm. we gave episode one, it's just called Finding Jesus. That's what we decided. Sure. Episode yeah. two, we called it Through the Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. And this one I'm thinking maybe further through the looking glass. <laughs> what about down the rabbit hole? <laughs> wow, that's awesome. If we're sticking with this like Matrix, mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland theme, you yep. know. Let's go with down the rabbit hole, maybe, I like and we're that. tumbling down. And then the next one, uh, without giving too much away, we could call the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. <laughs> wow! Holy shit! <laughs> okay, that's awesome. I was going to say bent spoons or one pill make you smaller and one pill make you big. <laughs> this episode is. Um, uh, to me, I think this is the one where things start getting a bit wacky. Things yeah. start getting a bit crazy. We're coming up against a lot of roadblocks mm-hmm. in episode three. We literally like some legal legal roadblocks, mm-hmm. which we weren't expecting to come across. No way. I mean, David will ask us about that, but there is a mm. moment in this I love watching because I just remember you sitting next to me unraveling in real time mm. and me freaking out, going like, I've lost him. We've got to pull this guy back in. Uh, it was wild. We had arguments. We've got arguments on tape from this episode, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, one of the rare times we have conflict. Uh, but also, many things are divulged and hinted at in this episode. It's the furthest anyone has ever gone in this mystery so far. And we yeah, intend yeah, to yeah. go further as this series goes on. Absolutely. I think we're the only people that have ever spoken to A.T. Orlowski about this stuff. I'm sure people have spoken to him in his just everyday normal life mm-hmm. about other things. <laughs> like, would you like a cup of tea yeah, and I'm shit like s- that? I'm certain of it, actually. <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure he's had just normal interactions with humans, but mm -hmm. we're the furthest uh, that anyone's ever gone when it comes to talking about Kanye Quest with this motherfucker. But yeah, next week is where things go even crazier. But mm. um, but man, these are all the, these are the building blocks to next week's episode. Um, we've been getting a lot of questions from mm -hmm. from viewers, and by the way, thank you for watching, viewers. Uh, a lot of questions in comment form on the YouTube videos, which we love. This episode, I've had a little bit of a scroll down to see mm -hmm. what people are asking. And most people are asking the same question. And that <laughs> is, what is the censored TV show that you auditioned for? Mm -hmm. And let's tell a little bit of behind the scenes on that. Because the truth of the matter is, you and I both auditioned yeah. for that same show. We both auditioned yep. for that same and, show. Um, we both signed strict NDAs about auditioning mm, for it and what it was. We didn't even know that each other had no. gone, like, been put up for roles in this show. I would also say the minute I found out about this audition, I was catching up with a friend of ours. And mm. um, I presume that he would also be asked to do be part of this to audition for it. So we're gabbing at lunch talking about this, going like, wow, how crazy is it that this project's happening and that they're mm. reaching out to us for it? While we were talking about it, I got the email from my agent going, you cannot tell anyone about this. This is the most confidential thing that's come across our desk so far. You cannot. I'm like, oh my God, no, 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 no. Well, man, I went further than you because I was in a group chat with a bunch of other comedians and actors men and women and like we were like telling each other like what we were going to do for the audition and stuff and then yeah same as you about an hour later i got an email saying by the way don't show anyone this and i was like yeah. oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we can't say what it is i don't because yeah. i think we we said it in the room with wendy but it yeah. had to get beeped out and but, she um, was our legal representative and you are allowed to talk to your legal representative about that yes. stuff she was pro bono with us in those moments. Yes, and I'm pro bono as well. I and I'm pro edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also edging right now. Okay, but good um, I like. Uh, we can't say what it was, but we can say that it is a TV show that exists in British form and in American form. Mm. And you can say that I've produced not to. Well, it's in the episode. She we didn't episode. say that. She did. <laughs> but, but that's all the information that we can give you because that's mm -hmm. in the episode. Mm. Um, and we can't say what it is, but I am... No, I'm bleeping that part. <laughs> I'm bleeping that part out. No, you can leave that <laughs> Before we get into the bulk of this episode with David, a little more mucking around, findingyeezus.com is our website. It's very cool, like we said in the last episode, designed by a dear friend, Vanessa Brewster, and all the cool designs are from Hollow Bones Co. Uh, Patrick mm -hmm. over there is like the sickest guy. He also Ooh. designed some merch for us. We've got some pins, some tote bags, poster, uh, sticker, and, of course, a hat. They're yes. all there for purchase. Very, very small, limited run on this thing. So if you mm. want to support us, you want to support the show, you want to wear your colors, pick up some merch there. And I'll say we've not announced this anywhere but the podcast yet. So it'll be more people will know about it soon. We're just giving the real ones the biggest heads up as possible before you really start pushing the merch elsewhere. So consider this your freaking nerdist, darling. 
Consider this your burn notice, much like the TV show, which I haven't seen. I've seen 45 seconds of it. That's as much as I've seen. (laughs) Yeah, the merch is awesome and it will go pretty quickly because it's a very small drop. So Mm -hmm. get on it while you can. Uh, The website's great. You can submit mysteries to us through the website if you have any things that you'd like us to explore in future projects, which will be coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, you can send us your suggestions and recommendations there. We've already gotten some really excellent mystery suggestions yeah. Yeah, we have. Uh, that I cannot wait to start looking into. So, I, if you have like just a weird pop culture thing you've been hanging on to that you or a weird memory or you have or something, send them through. And the more detail, the better. We've got one that mm. someone wrote like a full pager on. That is just so detailed with like little links to things in there. And I was like, well, this one's getting a freaking scurry through from us Mm. big time immediately. So the more detail, the better. Uh, Is there anything else we need to plug up top or should we just go straight into this chat with David? Let's get straight into this chat with David Alat, the former subject of Finding Drago turned co-conspirator turned expert interviewer. Hi listeners, you're joining me live in real time and fresh. I'm David, a lover of dogs, a lover of the books of Todd Noy and a lover of investigative mystery. And during my time on earth, no mystery has thrilled me more than this, Finding Jesus, a quest to discover the mastermind behind the game, Kanye Quest 3030, a gateway into a cult called Ascensionism. We're midway through the series now. I'm joined by Alexi and Cam. We've got a couple of people on our hit list, Nick Lyons, prime suspect, and A.T. Orlowski, registered keepers of a mysterious mm. record label called Ascension Records. So, Orlowski's first on our hit list today. Here we go. It's time for a retrospective reflective on episode three. Welcome, Cam. Welcome, Alexi. <laughs> I love retrospective reflective. <laughs> Oh, you're very talented. That was almost a rap. That was like a beat poem. I loved every second of it. I grew, I, I grew up on the rhythmic speak of Mr. Kanye West himself, um, the the doc, mm. Mr. Dre, and and many of that ilk. So I was mm-hmm. uh, inspired there by the uh, um, music of uh, the urban realm of America. Yeah, well, it, it came through. It shows. It really Ah. shows. The format for today then, uh, just a reminder, uh, I'm going to be asking you some questions, standard interview style. I ask a question Mm -hmm. and then you retort with an answer. Uh, But today we've got some special questions, questions from the turf, from the beloved listeners and fans. Uh, And then we'll dive into a scene-by-scene meticulous episode walkthrough. Can I kick off just with this first question? We'll dive straight in. I want to ask you a question Mm -hmm. about cults. Starting with Ascensionism, what do you think the Ascensionists actually want? We know what they're about in terms of the kind of betterment of humanity through tech, but what do you think Ascensionism wants of its followers and why do you think it exists? Wow, that's such a great question. Because I guess if we look at the game as a recruitment tool, it is evangelizing. It is trying to bring people in. But the way to get in, the way to find it before people discovered it and shared it with each other, it's quite difficult to go in. So I think it's evangelizing to only a very small amount of people trying to bring people in that they deem to be worthy. So I think it is, yes, they want to grow. 
but they don't want to grow mass scale the way like a mainstream religion does to or um or you know uh, or even a cult that is also has ulterior motives of greed to gain monetary gains or to gain followers to do some kind of bidding i think there is an involvement of that of like followers to do tasks or followers to be brought in but i think it is all about the worthiness the worthy few to ascend hmm yeah, I don't know what they want, really. I mean, I know that, like, individually, they want immortality. I guess that's it's kind of like a selfish cult in that way because it's all about just trying to live forever as an individual. But why do they want a collection of people to do it? I don't know. I'm not sure. Hopefully, we get a little deeper, you know, as the series progresses and we find a little more. Absolutely. I mean, I'm familiar with the cults of sort of Charles Manson, Bikram Yoga, so I know how cults mm. can do bad. It doesn't seem that Ascensionism wants to do bad. It seems to be, you know, about bringing together like-minded people. But, you know, I, it certainly a code I couldn't have cracked. I'd still be on level one rapping against... You know, Master P or <laughs> Chingy. <laughs> Can I ask you a question about your inve- investigative investigating actually out on the road? So day to day, when you're out there in the field doing what you do, who's with you? Who's out there on the road? To me, I'm witnessing this majestic <laughs> thing on screen, in audio. I just don't know how mm. it comes to be. Take us through the bodies and the minds behind what we what we experience through uh, through uh, YouTube. Wow. Okay, so the bodies. We have got the body and the mind of Max Miller, our director. He's holding a camera. He's not just some disembodied dude sitting in a van watching a live feed. He's holding a camera. He's with us out there on the road. Um, we have our DOP, Alistair. He's holding a camera. He's also physically inches from our faces while we're interviewing these people he's as close to them as we are we've got brendan holding a boom mic oh my god you've never seen a guy swing a boom like brendan he (laughs) is the king of microphone sting this guy's holding (laughs) on to the (laughs) the handle of that microphone like it's nobody's (laughs) king of swing uh we've got we've got beck rebecca our producer mm-hmm. she is standing nearby with a bunch of questions of her own that she can yeah. throw out to us if we need them because she is a genuine walkley award winning journalist director and producer beck is amazing i would love to talk about beck and give her huge props because she even when we were making this there was a part where we were we were out in the field and she won a Walkley Award, the Australian equivalent of the Pulitzer, while we were in the field. She couldn't attend the ceremony because she was working on our crazy project where she won an award for her journalistic integrity, her abilities as a documenter. Um, but she she's so fantastic. I think she really helped enrich our story so much, especially in going out and finding the experts to bolster and widen the story and that enrich it in the ways of their uh, expertise, their depth of knowledge. And she would be the person that would go out and find people like Angela for us or find people like uh, Peter Zing or Ben Loveridge, the VR expert, those people. So she's like 
that's one of her great skills that really make this project so special. But that was our core team. Those were the people that would be with us every day, going down different avenues of exploration, going around all the different locations together. And we became like such a great core unit where we just really were stuck in this mystery together and everybody was on the line the whole time. I, I saw that you've used a lot Google. Um, I've had a look into Google mm. and whilst it's no Alabaster Wars, there is a lot in there. There's a lot to it. I imagine there's duff lead after duff lead. I mean, so how do you sort of make sense of something where there's just so much content online, so many different avenues under that pressure that you've got you know, only a few episodes to try and deliver something that hasn't previously been unearthed. Luckily, so far um, in this journey, we've only been Googling very unusual names, mm. like A.T. Orlowski, for example. There's not too many A.T. Orlowskis out there. So, you know, once you type that in, bing, bang, boom, you um, you pretty much get a limited list of of uh, people that it could be that you're contacting. So we were never truly overwhelmed by anything. It was always quite niche searches. Like no matter what we're looking for, there was only ever four or five pages worth of info about the, that person or that product. So yeah, when it comes to AT or Lowski, we type that in, brings up his website right away. It's probably like <laughs> the first hit or the second hit. And then we're talking to him within hours. And I would say as well, what investigation research is, you just have to move that one step beyond Google and go into like the specific searches. So it would be, you know, going to Discogs because it's some, we're looking for a musician and then finding the links for them there. Or like Cameron did at the end of that previous episode, looking for an Australian business number on the ABN search. And it's about those things where you find the pieces of evidence that you have and then search through those into like the more niche search engines where you think you will find an answer. Educational for all the investigators out there. You know what? I think it's time to start this walkthrough. Shall we dive in and go scene by scene on episode three? First of all, we see and, and examine this this logo of Ascensionism. And I agree with Alexi, it's creepy. There's something about it that's creepy. Um, Alexi, why, why, do you, why do you think it carries this uh, uneasiness about it? For me, uh, the symbol and the icon of the eye means something in Greek culture. The tomati, the evil eye, is this kind of spiritual thing that is all about envy and being watched and how you're seen by other people that is uh, emboldened as a curse. And that is a curse that uh, if someone has looked at you with a jealous eye or an envious eye, you will feel a curse upon you. They curse you. So when I see an, a symbolism like that, it means something to me in that area. And in my family, I'm one of the few people that knows how to remove the curse of the evil eye. So I, I have this connection to it um, and I'm the only one left. So I, my family and other Greek friends, they do call me 
to remove the evil eye if they feel like they have been touched by it. So when I see that, I see that eye, I see it as an enemy, you know, or, or as something that is glaring upon me. I always wear my uh, icon of the evil eye, the tomati, on me to kind of ward off those curses as well. So when I see it, I feel like this is something I've been fighting my whole life. Wow, top that, Cameron. Um, I think it just looks a bit freaky. <laughs> sure does. That is one freaky looking eye. <laughs> okay, now really the episode kicks up in pace. We get a Matrix sequence. It, Cam, you reveal that this is not the office from the Matrix. It looks exactly the same. Uh, how was it rendered mm. so beautifully and accurately? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can look the, the the exterior buildings in the Matrix are all real places in Sydney. You can go to them. You can go. You can Google right now where was the Matrix film, and it'll take you to all sorts of exterior locations in and around Sydney in the CBD. And it's very exciting to see those buildings in the flesh. However, the interiors are all built on a fucking soundstage in Fox Studios. They don't exist. They're not real. But we didn't know that. We just thought, oh, yeah, they must have filmed inside real office buildings. Of course they didn't. Mm. So, anyway, we found, me and the production team found a really cool-looking office building that looked like The Matrix, and um, we just sort of acted like it was for a little bit. Alexi kind of knew it wasn't really the matrix but he wanted to believe and isn't that special in its own way i truly thought that it would be so special if we actually did shoot in one of the matrix locations Mm. for this documentary Mm. very much inspired by it so i tried to will it into existence we got mighty close (laughs) it looks like one yeah it does look like it. <laughs> to, to my mind, it was a, a moth-eaten sweater away from the real thing. I thought I was, I thought I was watching the the real movie. Oh, a question, a question from uh, Instagram. Uh, this is from uh, mm. Mango Ryan D. Were there any funny shots on the Matrix camera that didn't make any of the introduction or those Matrix sequences? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. this is a good one. The bullet time. The bullet time rig. So, yeah, for the opening titles, we had this bullet time rig, which we've already talked about. And uh, on the day that we filmed all of our bits, um, the Auntie Donna boys also came down to the studio and filmed a bunch of them fucking around and doing high kicks and bullet time stuff. And there was a, a, a TV show being written upstairs by a bunch of comedians in a different office. And they all came down because we're friends with them as well. So mm-hmm. they all came down and did different things on the bullet time rig yeah. as well. Probably the most exciting was our good friend Greg Larson, hilarious mm-hmm. comedian. Known as Mr. Oily to many audiences <laughs> around Australia. <laughs> he took his shirt off and did the most acrobatic display of m- improvised martial arts that I've ever seen in my life. His style of martial arts, I would be categorized as pub fights. Like, he's a pub fighter, uh, mm. and it was incredible. And also, our friend Mish Wittrup, um 
did some fantastic twerking during the, with the bullet time rig. So they were they really stole the show, and we can't we've got we can't use those for anything. They're just there. They've on their private servers probably. And I would also say the very first thing that was filmed on the bullet time rig. After this inc- this setup that took hours, these cameras being placed in the studio, these amazing splice boys coming in and filming this thing for us, the excitement was high. The very first thing that was filmed was Broden Kelly making mm. the smallest movement anyone has ever seen that could barely be registered on camera, and the splice boys' heart sinking. <laughs> Thinking the day would be a waste of doing no movement whatsoever on the cameras. Let's get to the suspect. Let's get to the uh, interrogation room. Adam Titaeus Orlowski. Um, what does Ascension Records have to hide? I've got to be disclosed. I am so suspicious about him and his connection to uh, Nick Lyons. I just got this sense through the whole interview that there was... I was just riddled with this suspicion. Uh, I wondered if you felt felt the same. Have you discounted Orlowski as a as a suspect? Um, and perhaps on that comment also on how you keep any feelings at being an interview. How do you keep an interview sweet and sort of manage the meeting to tease what you want out of it? It's really sus what's going on with this chat. He, um, you know, he claims to have signed an NDA, which means that he can't answer certain questions. He claims to have fallen out of touch with Nick Lyons and can't put us in contact with Nick. And he's like, it seems that he's sort of fucking with us, right? Like he's sort Mm. of laughing and smiling his way through the interview, like he's kind of laughing at us a little bit. Uh, It is hard. It's a really hard thing to do because you get frustrated. All you want is an answer and you know you have a limited amount of time to get it. And this person is seemingly holding you at arm's length and like refusing to give you the answers. It it can be really hard, right, Lex? Mm, Really, this was a vivid memory for me. It was one of those, those moments early on in making this that made me feel really mucked up because Cameron had been contacting Adam and when we got in maybe the very first question Cameron asked was were you involved in the making of Kanye Quest and the answer Cameron anticipated was yes or a secretive yes and when he said no Cameron was thrown and I think in that moment together the space in between Cameron and I, I could feel everything unraveling. Like we had, we were on the wrong, we were on the wrong trail. It felt like we had gone uh, in the wrong direction. It felt like the case was disappearing in real time. But as we kept on talking, when we kept hitting those NDA roadblocks, that is to me in those moments felt like an assurgence where I was like, okay, maybe we are on the right path. If he's literally being blocked by someone, maybe there's a reason he's being blocked. So it was genuinely a freaky freaking interview. And I think mm. the way that we kept it light is ultimately, it's not a crime that we're interviewing people about. Mm. It feels like we're making true crime shows, but ultimately 
it's not like we're trying to get someone locked up or anything. We're just trying to find out who made the game. So it's it, it, the way to make it light is you're allowed to laugh with each other. It's not like we are interrogating him, even though it does seem like it sometimes. Yeah, totally. We're all of us were laughing the whole way through. You know, it. there is no NDA where there are no secrets, and there's nothing more um, exciting and, and and funny and than than holding secrets. Um, and equally trying to uh, extract those secrets. We got a bit of extra advice about this and the legal ramifications of it from Wendy Harris, QC barrister, now actually Casey, Mm -hmm. King's counsel, who provided us with elegant precision some amazing advice. Uh, What is your relationship with Wendy? How did you get her on board? Was she expensive and is she on a retainer? (laughs) (laughs) We didn't get her on retainer, unfortunately. No, she get, she d- donated her time to us pro bono, mm-hmm. pro bono style. The Irish and prophet. I know yes. you're very pro bono. You love you too. <laughs> and you too. And you too. <laughs> yeah, and me too as well. Um, Wendy, the King's Council herself, she uh, was discovered, uh, Beck found her, our producer Beck mm-hmm. found her. We knew we wanted a voice of authority to kind of, explain to not only us but to the audience what an NDA was and how breakable or unbreakable they are and to try and get some tips on how to get around an NDA. So Beck found her for us and she was great. We were with her for an hour and a half or something. She gave us a lot of good tips. Then she let us see her wig and touch her wig. And uh, that's pretty rare. I don't even think that made it to the episode, but... We got to touch her wig. Yeah, we were really excited because we thought she would be wearing the robes and wig when we saw her, but she wasn't. And she, we asked, could we get her to wear them for the interview? And she said, <laughs> they're not to be made a mockery of, so no, I can't. And we're like, oh, okay. So we're like, oh, she's so serious. But she was also very, very funny. Um, and she was one of the people that was like the biggest uh, riffer with us. Like she would join, like really mm. get in on what we were doing. <laughs> well, I, d- I do know a thing or two about these wigs. The dirtier the wig is, the more esteemed the lawyer is. And all- they were all made in England by Eden Ravenscroft, one of the oldest tailors, who actually lost my wedding suit. So I had to get married in my work suit. But that's another story. Um, <laughs> irrespective of the missing wig... Um, Wendy carried uh, power. She had an authority and I uh, believed every single word that she said. And I think her advice was helpful. Uh, reflecting on that advice then, and I want a straight answer here, a question and a sub-question. Gents, would you go to jail for this? Would you be prepared to go to jail for this, to crack this uh, mystery? Um, and assuming the answer to that is yes, Tell me about your approach to surviving in jail, whether there is anything that cinema has taught you about how to stay safe, <laughs> respected, and untampered with in the joint. I'll give, you, I'll give you a more complex answer than you're probably expecting. So jail, as in just an overnight lockup, absolutely. I'd, I'd happily go to jail overnight, mm. maybe even two nights, maybe even three nights for this. But prison... No way, Jose. No way. Mm-hmm. That's a long term. I can't do time. 
I've got too much going on out here on the outside. Cameron has gigs booked for months ahead of time. Yeah. How can he go to prison? Yeah. And he'll be missing out on these gigs. I mean, I could do Johnny Cash style. I could do gigs in the in the yard, you know. Mm-hmm. But from what I understand from prison movies, you don't want to be the funny guy in prison. You don't want to be. And I've seen The Longest Yard, the Adam Sandler movie, and you can't be funny in that. You just need to be athletic and you need to be part of the team. I, and, and, and The Longest Yard, the grittiest and most realistic uh, prison mm. movie out there. I think, mm. you know, having anybody watching that as a live gigging working professional, you're not mm. going to want to go there. No, no way. Alexi, can we tempt you? And what would your? Well, and I've seen the longest yard, the Burt Reynolds. You've still got the thousand yards. There. <laughs> the Burt Reynolds nineteen seventies edition, and that mm. is gritty as hell. So I'm sitting here, mm. also mustachio gentleman like Burt Reynolds, worried that I'll be getting too much attention in prison from people willing to break my soul down. Okay. And I worry about that. And then it makes me worried about bringing someone like you into the fold, David. Because I've seen Mean Machine, the British remake of The Longest Yard starring Vinnie Jones. And I worry about a guy like you, who is from that part of the world, going to prison. And so I'm not willing to put us on the line for that. I I, I respect your honesty. I was going to ask you, David, have you heard of Prison Napalm? I haven't heard of it, no. Okay, so here's a little tip to surviving on the inside. You go into commissary, you get a packet of jam or jelly preserve. Uh, You go into the kitchen, you get a mug, you fill it up with boiling hot water from the kettle, pour your jelly or jam into the mug, stir it around, it turns into a sort of sticky glue, and then you walk up Mm -hmm. to the toughest guy in the yard and you throw it in his face. It sticks to his face. (laughs) And it burns him, gives him third degree burns. It's called prison napalm. Bittersweet. (laughs) (laughs) Bittersweet. And if you let that cool down, instead of hurling it at someone while it's at its hottest state, probably pretty tasty. So it's up to you to be friend or foe. Probably a pretty yummy snack. It would be nice. I might try one later today. Throw it in their face or tip it out onto a tray, let it cool, and then give it out as a little treat. It's possibly the most vicious attack one can inflict on another human, but it requires no viciousness in the delivery, and that's where it sounds quite rare. Something that could literally be flicked, almost like waving a a glove of of welcome. (laughs) However, beyond it, the most potent molten threat. Yes. (laughs) Um... Okay, sorry, I've gone off. I've gone very much off course. We've been to the clink, and we're back. We're back. Uh, we're back into the world of music. Such a hmm. popular theme that keeps cropping up. Yeah. Um, we find we find out in the episode that Nick, being a very mysterious human, he carries this enigmatic um, aura around him, and we discover him uh, on a compilation CD from the band Sting in June. Um, I did have some questions about Sting, but I'm not going to ask them. I want to dive straight in and ask about this piano piece. Haunting piano. Delicate, as you say. Did you uh, discount Nick as a suspect on the basis that uh, this music doesn't marry to the Ascension theme? Or are you still keeping an open mind? Um... I think we have to keep an open mind making these investigations, you know. Anyone can be a subject if they fit some kind of profile. And 
I would say that hearing those piano tones, that was a, such a surprise to us because it did not sound like what we anticipated. We thought it would be more in that kind of darker music that we had heard before in episode one and episode two because it was so different. It sent a bit of a shock through us, but it was like a melting shock. It was kind of like nice and felt like that music was so surprising to us because it was melodious where everything else we'd heard had not been melodious and dave i know you 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 yourself are a classical pianist um what did you hear what did you hear in that music what did you feel i am i really liked it um i thought it was really clever i don't know if it was played or sequenced i think if i was going to try and make that music i'd probably take a riff from one of the greats like Bach or something, steal their structure, and it sounds like he's then almost sequenced a melody over the top and quantized it and clipped it. I don't know, that's that's maybe how I'd go about such a feat. But that music really, I was equally surprised by it. I did consider artists like uh, Aphex Twin, who makes similar sad piano, but lots of what you'd call noise music. Uh, and I considered, you know, Michelangelo and his chisel. He chisel, chisel a lovely cherub and a screaming gargoyle with the same chisel. He, he, he would give the warrior's chest of David, but then that tiny little picus. So, you know, it is possible for an artist to be uh, versatile. Sorry. I'll just run that. I'll just run that last line. So it is possible for an artist to be broad and versatile that goes beyond yeah. any preconceptions that you'd have. But I would say, you know, what a great piece of music! And if you are able to uh, burn that CD uh, and share with me an MP3 uh, file uh, mm. or send the CD, um, I'd love it. I'd love it. I think you would love it. It is. It is. It's. It's interesting. It's very unique music uh from what i understand it's improvised it's improvised music and it's sort of you know i guess aping the 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 vibe of classical experimental music but it's yeah it's it's it doesn't sound like anything it sounds familiar but also like something completely new it's very odd I mean, I was really drawn in by it, but I was also like, what the hell is this? This is crazy. It, it was. We talked uh, the other day about Lavender Town Syndrome. This was like mm. the opposite. Lavender Town makes mm. you want to sort of end yourself. I heard this and I wanted to be a better man. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, shall we bring us to the cliffhanger at the end of this thrilling episode? Um, and then I've got another question from one of the fans. Actually, I've got a couple of fan questions. Mm-hmm. Mark Bonanno, out of the blue, sends this video. We have prime suspect Nick Lyons of Ballarat in the crosshairs he wants to meet. Um, just, just tell me, was this something expected? Had you given up hope at this point? Just reflect on this moment and, and, and that beautiful video from Darwin. Yeah, and by the way, he gestures to the window to show us Darwin behind him and you can't see a single fucking thing <laughs> at that window. It's the yeah. most blown out shot. He's like, look, it's beautiful Darwin. Mate, we can't see anything. Do you know how cameras work? 
the white balance is off, dude. All we see is the bright side. I thought that was Darwin, just a, just a, an orb of lo- wonderful healing light. <laughs> but uh, no, we'd given up. I think we'd given up on Nick Lyons uh, from Ballarat at this point. He hadn't replied to Mark's messages and we just thought, all right, we're going to have to move on or move around him or circumvent this guy entirely. And um, so it was totally a surprise. And without spoiling anything, next week's episode is all about Nick Lyons from Ballarat. And uh, Mark Manano is a big part of that. Oh, a question from Instagram. Uh, Mick Rad. Mike Rad um, came to us through through the Instagram and asked, what came first, the link between you guys and Mark Bonanno or the link between you guys and Grouse House? The link with Mark Bonanno came first. He was the first person that we contacted and said, hey, look, we found a mutual friend between you and uh, and our main suspect. And would you be okay if we interviewed you on our show about, you know, possibly knowing this cult leader? And Mark said yes. And then about a week or two later, they uh, he suggested that he was more than just, you know, an interview person on it. And they all mm. kind of, we all, we had a chat with Mark and Max and it ended up being a discussion of how can they be more involved and it was great. So they, they really helped us. They like helped us get the whole thing made and funded and put up on the beautiful platform known as YouTube. Um, but yeah, without, without Mark being friends with Nick Lyons, none of that would have happened. What, what yeah. I love is it's such a theme that repeats in a lot of the stories about how these episodes are made. They're often about the tiniest little crack just opening up a, a universe and uh, you know the old uh, mighty oak from the little acorn, um, and and just another example there. You know a semen shared connection that then unravels a whole kind of uh, approach to the series, um, and I'm sure. Well, I recall with the with the quest for Noy and the uh, the mm. quest for Link, similar um, just similar moments. Um, I've just got one more question, and thanks again, um, both myself and, uh, well, I'm sure there's more than one, myself and the listeners really appreciate these candid answers. Um, So I've got one that's come in from the fans. Uh, This one's come in through WhatsApp, another popular platform, um, from Frankie FT, which I believe stands for Frank the Tank, a Noyakalite and uh, a warrior. Mm -hmm. He has asked... What aspect of the series are you most proud of? Hmm. Wow. Great question. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Frank. The tank. Um, We are... I don't know. It's... uh, it's, I think for me, it's the most uninteresting and and basic answer is I'm really proud of us uh, evolving our style and what we do on the fighting podcast, what we did on the fighting podcast, the things that were meaningful to us. I think I'm really proud of being able to translate those into film uh, in a way that I deem to be successful. Uh, Like translating those ideas, translating those tones, translating those story elements and making them bigger and more exciting and expressive on film. And also I'm really proud that uh, our... Cameron and I's connection, our chemistry translate to the screen as well because, you know, we've been working together a really long time 
Weirdly, this is one of the very first times we've ever actually been on screen together. We do not usually get hired to do things together on screen very often. So, or ever, I don't think. I think we did one ad that never got released. And so this is like exciting for us to like be working together like this and like a development in our professional creative relationship. Mm. Uh, there's some stuff that we do in next week's episode, Ep 4, that I think is my favorite thing that I've ever been a part of. And I'm really proud of how far we push the form in episode four. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what people think of that one. Great, great answers. And uh, I mean, yeah, what a thing to be proud of. The very fact that this happened, it has made it and we've been screaming for it. So thank you for delivering. Well, we had to we had to quiet those, those screams. That's why we did it. There's too many screams. You had mm. to quiet them down. So I, absolutely. We were ready for... You know, put a sock in it. Um, okay, well, as sure as night follows day, four follows three. And that's what we're going to be doing next time, episode four. Strap in for it. This is a big one. We got Nick Lyons on the dock. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. What a fantastic and interesting conversation with an extremely bizarre British man. <laughs> <laughs> He's almost like our Carl Pilkington, if you will. And that mm. is perhaps another hint into a realm that we're talking about. <laughs> yes, we auditioned for Ozzy Derek. <laughs> <laughs> we both went for the role of Ozzy Derek and they told us we went too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it crazy that Derek exists? Yeah, that could be a mystery. <laughs> For us to solve how the heck how did Derek, Derek happen? How did Derek get made? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we've got uh, a fantastic episode coming out next week. Episode four of this episode uh, of this series. I think it's my favorite. It's my favorite one. Cameron, I would even go a step further. I think it's my favorite thing that we've ever done together this episode because I mm. think without giving away too much what happens, I mean, you saw the hint to what the cliffhanger in that episode. It appears that we are going on a bit of a journey. Mm. Um, I think this was what we've been envisioning since we started on this mystery and it's probably the most purest form of what we want to do with finding style documentary comedy stuff in the future and it just mm. it, it's the one that I keep going back to it's the one that I have the most fun with um I really love next week's episode that's the biggest tease yeah me too it's it's amazing it's my favorite thing ever can't wait for you guys to see it mm -hmm. and I can't wait to talk about it again with David Alat. Our dearest friend. Freaking love you, David. So big thank mm. you for David for helping us with this mini-series as well. If you have more questions that you want David to ask us, you can submit them to Cameron and I on Twitter or Instagram. Cameron's at I am Alexi. I'm at no, Cameron's no, at I'm no. Cameron James. I'm at This Is Alexi. Message them to <laughs> us and we'll pass them on to David. And we are different people. I we, just want to put that out there. I, we are I merged us for a moment. I was <laughs> like, we are one entity. I, I really I stopped seeing where I end and you begin for a moment. We're cat dogging. We're cat dogs, okay, but we're joined at the freaking head. We've got our <laughs> legs on different ends. We lie down and roll around the ground because we're connected by the head. 
<laughs> we do share one brain and 1.5 personalities. Uh, so submit them to us. We'll pass them on to David. You can also submit your mysteries at findingjesus.com. If you have mysteries that you want us to investigate, you can pick up merch there. And there's also a contact form. So if you would rather email us, you can email us at findingmysteries3030.com. That's findingmysteries 3030 at gmail.com. All right. Sweet. How you feeling? Until next time, we bid you adieu and enjoy the mysterious world of Kanye Quest. Cool. That was me presenting the program. <laughs> and this is me presenting this part of it. Thanks for watching, y'all. Wow, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs>